little different today, I hope. Um, and that is that I'm going to open God's Word. And um, when we're done, I want to be done at about quarter after. So if someone could just kind of give me a hand at about 10 after, just so I know I have five minutes left. Because I would like to take some time for us to talk about what we're going to be looking at today. Because um, uh, I think this is really, really important for us. And we're looking at the subject hospitality. Um, so, um, although you might say it's appropriate for Mother's Day to talk about hospitality, um, you may be surprised what you find in Scripture. And uh, I know that probably a good number of you have already heard me talk on this topic before, but the purpose of what we want to be as a church, and for the purpose of where we're headed, um, we want to make sure we, we revisit this material and we see what God says after the relationship. So, let me just start by saying this. On a number of occasions in my ministry, I have been asked the question, what are we going to do um, as far as uh, local ministry to reach out to our community? What's our strategy going to be for local outreach? And I know what kind of answers people are looking for. They're looking for some kind of a program, some kind of a, an event, what aggressive ministry strategy we're going to use that's somehow going to capture people and therefore we're going to in. And there's certainly a place for having particular events or certain strategies, but I think what we find as we open up the pages of God's Word is that in everything we do, we need to be thinking, yes, about those whom God is drawing to us, but we need to be thinking about what God's main strategy is for reaching people. And I think if you open the Gospels, you even look at the Epistles, uh, there were certain events that took place, for example, when Paul spoke or Peter spoke were gathered, but they didn't create those gatherings, did they? Those gatherings just happened to be there at that point in time. The normal uh, way that God grew the church was through the church being the church. Just, you know, it might sound like, well, wait a second, what does that mean? It's kind of like what someone's saying, you know, we foster ministry. My foster ministry is Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for that information, Pastor Rod. That's really, really helpful for me. I don't think it's going to get us anywhere not specific enough. Well, if the church really took time to understand what it means to be the church, then we may not be leaning on programs and events and certain things like that to actually be reaching people, because we would be doing what God calls the church to be doing. And uh, so, um, this morning I would like for us to think about God's strategy for local outreach, for evangelism, for growing church life, and uh, that certainly is... Uh, what we find in Scripture being talked about, the ministry of hospitality. Um, now, one of the reasons this is important to me is I was fortunate enough to be in a home where my parents modeled this. Um, you've heard the story, I'm sure, but um, when I was five, we left um, Israel and we moved to Germany. And uh, we had a house that was right across the street from an army not barracks, but it was where the army housing was. So there were a lot of people, families in the, in the army that lived in those houses. And there was also a church just down the street. It was a Southern Baptist church. And so my parents said, well, let's go to this church. It's right, it's right there. And we started attending. And then one day, my parents said to a couple of GIs, hey, you know, you guys want to come over for lunch? They said, sure, you know, we don't have anywhere to go. Uh, we'll come over for lunch. My parents invited them. The guys came back the next week, and they brought a couple of friends. My parents said, hey, why don't you guys come over and bring your friends? All right, within a month, they had 30 to 35 people coming over to their house. Now, it wasn't that they, they did some kind of a, you know, a demographic study to see what was feasible as far as outreach was concerned. They didn't go to the church growth experts to see what, you know, what they had to do in order to reach people in this particular community. No, they simply were humble servants of God who were inviting people to come over and to spend time with them. And what my parents ended up doing was, you know, they invested some money, they would put out a spread for all the people to eat, and it was usually a, you know, kind of a help yourself, make your own sandwich kind of a deal with some salads here and there. And some of them would, would bring stuff too. And then they would have a time of, of worship, they'd have a time of Bible study, and a time of prayer. And then it ended up that they would all, mainly all, would go off to another service that was actually on the base of the chapel. And so there was this ministry that just kind of 
blossomed because my parents simply said, would you like to come over and enjoy a meal with us? And see, it's not just about the food, right? If you think about hospitality, one of the first things you think of is food. It's far more than that. That's how our, our culture kind of views hospitality. But um, friends, that is being the church. When we, are, when we are using our homes as a platform for ministry, that is being the church. We are effectively taking the gospel to people, reaching people, opening our homes, welcoming them in, and enjoying a time of, of conversation with them. And in the midst of that conversation, talking about the things of God, relating to the things that we're talking about, opportunities and platforms to share the gospel. Now think about this. If, if we as a church took that strategy to heart, and we were mindful of it, we probably would reach a lot more people with lasting effects. Probably far more than putting on some great event and hoping that some people are going to respond. So this morning we want to take some time to think through this. And I would like to begin though by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is really important. Um, and this is actually one of the reasons that kind of sparked my idea and my thought to study out the subject of hospitality. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and this passage is about the qualifications for an elder. And in that list of qualifications for an elder, we find the word hospitable. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't that seem a little odd to you? Don't we usually in our culture think of hospitality as being more of a, a feminine quality, not so much a male quality? The question is, are we allowing our culture to dictate what we ought to be doing or what we ought to be like? And I'm thinking about we who are men in particular. Do we as men desire to be the kind of men who are hospitable? It's a qualification here for an elder. Which means, as an elder in his family, he's saying, listen, the tone in our family is going to be such that if we want to open the door and welcome people in, we want to you know, engage with them, we want to talk with them, we want to fellowship with them, we want to share the gospel with them, we want to serve food and have them sleep over, we want to do that. Or if you kind of had a hands-off approach to that kind of stuff. It's a male quality, just as much as it is a feminine thing. But it is a male thing, because it is an attitude that is put into the family dynamic. So this morning we want God to teach us and shape us to understand his strategy for uh, strategic and purposeful hospitality. So five points I have this morning. And the first one is this. Well, the first one is this. The first one is any of the helps we actually have the quicker. In the time of the New Testament, there were no such things as hotels or, or motels or anything like that, um, except for maybe places that were not the best place you want to go to, okay? They were often brothels, not places of high repute, okay? I mean, it wasn't like 
people just were walking around like in our culture today, oh, we'll just get a hotel. I mean, that, that just wasn't the norm, okay? Um, so there were very few uh, places you could go and you could stay. It was very common practice to invite people into your homes. The church in particular, though, uh, took their, their responsibility as a church to reach out to Christians who were traveling from one place to another. And if they were going to be in town, they would invite them, you know, fellow believers into their homes and stay with them. It could be for business purposes, or sometimes there were people that were actually ministering the gospel in various places. During the time of the Crusades, there were hospices set up. And these were official places set up by the church for the officials of the church to go and to stay. But then, during the Crusades, those who were injured, those who were you know, struggling because of battle, were taken to these various hospices to be cared for. And ultimately, that word, hospice, yes, developed into the word hospital, which is what we now have as a place where those who are sick, those who are poor, those who are needy, will go to to find uh, the, you know, the care and, and the, the help they need. But initially, that hospital was in the context of the local church. Isn't it interesting how all these things change? But now it's a completely different place. And oftentimes we think of hospitality, we don't think of hospital. We think of going to the Hilton, right? And you know, and the valet coming and taking your bags, and just, you know, and just having you know, the bed just perfect. It's a, it's a completely different cultural mindset from what God has called us. Okay? But th- there is this flow of, uh, of thinking. Uh, in your Bibles, Luke chapter 14, I don't have it on the screen. Luke chapter 14, um, and verses 12 and following. I just want to read this before we look at our definition. Luke says this, He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Right? That's your turn, and no, it's my turn, and... Hey, I invited you last, so that means I have to invite you again, and that kind of stuff, right? But, verse 13, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Have you ever been the person who has given something to someone who you know they can't repay you? Isn't there far more gratitude in being a giver in that context? when someone really is needy and they can do nothing. And you're just like, you know, Lord, thank you for the opportunity of doing that. Blessings. And that's what we're talking about. So let's take all that we've talked about so far and let's put it into this definition. A good summary here, I think. Um, this is not my definition. This is someone else's definition. Um, I can't remember exactly whose it is. Um, but uh, it's a good definition. Hospitality is this. The divine enablement to share with others our home, our lives, our personal space and resources without communicating a need for performance or an expectation of return. Three important parts of this. Divine enablement. The divine enablement. Let's just pause here for a second. Hospitality is not about, you know, what are you having for dinner tonight? What great presentation it is, you know, pulling out all the china and all that kind of stuff. Just be careful that we think there's no way I can ever do that because I just don't have the right stuff. Because when I was in Russia, let me just tell you uh, what some of my friends did there. One of the pastors and his wife, they don't have money. They just, they just got into a new home, new home to them, old. Their living room is their bedroom. And they have these couches to pull out the beds, right? And they pulled a couple of tables together, and me and Bud and Henry all sat on the couch. The tables like down at your knees. They covered it with a tablecloth. They had unmatched, um, like you might want to say, china for their teacups. And they brought these little plastic bowls because they had IKEA out there, you know. And they served with that, you know. And, and we had a meal together. We didn't care about the bowls or the cups. We just enjoyed the fact that we were together. And they were doing the best that they could. So many times we get distracted about making everything just perfect, right? So divine enablement, uh, don't shortchange God 
thinking that you don't have the kind of stuff to do, right? God is, has enabled us. Secondly, the sharing with others. Sharing with others. And the third thing is no expectations. Not looking for them to invite you back or for you to get something back. You're doing it selflessly for the glory of God. So hospitality is the divine neighbor to share with others our home, our lives, our personal space, and resource with, without communicating a need for performance or expectation. I would say that behind all of that, though, is the greater purpose of bringing glory to God and having the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether that is through the believer or whether that is through the believer. It's the gospel refreshing their life to be reminded of it so that they can live for this world. Right? Let's now look at uh, hospitality commanded. Hospitality commanded. Um, I just want to look at a few commands in Scripture about hospitality. It's not a suggestion. It is written to us as a command. All right, Romans 12:13 uh, says this: Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So you can put the word "show" or "practice hospitality." It is in the Greek tense that helps us know that this is something that is to be continual. It's not just kind of like, well, I showed hospitality last year. Now, this is, this is something that is continual. It is a, a continual attitude that we have. In other words, it's not just something we pull out for Easter, for Mother's Day, for Christmas, or for other special occasions. It's a, it's a continual attitude, a continual mindset that we ought to have. Right? It's constantly the next verse um, we find uh, is 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So just in case you're saying, God, I don't want to practice hospitality, he says to you, too bad. I'm commanding you to do it. Stop your grumbling. Stop your complaining. All right? It literally means without murmuring, without complaining, right? So it's not just an activity, but get this, it really is an attitude. It's an attitude of hospitality. God is calling us to be a certain kind of person, a person that doesn't resent being hospitable. You know, and you know, sometimes this can happen in a family, and it's the kids who struggle, right? Well, so-and-so's coming over, and they're going to spend the night, and we need your room. Oh. Why is it always my room you pick on? Uh, you know, that kind of thing, right? Or maybe maybe you're the one, and you're thinking, and there's probably have been times where you say, you know what? Um, Mom and Dad are going to step out of their master bedroom and let the guests stay there, right? There's a selflessness that's necessary here. All right? It's an attitude. There's a third thing. Um, Hebrews 13, 2. Begin at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, what's interesting here, if you look at it carefully, if he says don't neglect it, that means it's possible to neglect it, right? And it can be neglected because of other things that may be good. You know, I have to work, or I have this ministry project, or whatever it might be. Something that's not good. It could be something very, very selfish. Or it could go back to that grumbling that I just don't want to, right? Which is certainly a sinful So it certainly can't be neglected because it's crowded out by other things. Okay, so God commands it, but why is it so important to God? Why would God be putting such an emphasis on something that might seem mundane? Where does this idea of hospitality come from, anyway? Hospitality rooted. And friends, this is, this is really the heartbeat of the subject. Okay? This is really where this all comes from. We're going to take some time to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, but it didn't start with Martha Stewart. Um, it didn't start with you know the Home Garden TV show, or whatever it might be. Uh, it didn't simply start with the Judeo-Christian ethic something far more fundamental than this. It goes back to the Old Testament, but it also goes back to God himself. And here's the point. Hospitality is rooted in the heart of God. It is God ultimately that commands it, but he himself is also the best example of it. 
He commands it, but he is the example of hospitality. through the Old Testament and then the New Testament. Now, I would just encourage you, if you have your Bibles, I think it's you have the, the, the verses in your notes there. Do you have them there? Okay. Um, anyone open the Bible? Leviticus 19.34 say this. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. So he's traveling through your neighborhood. Okay, that's the idea. You shall not do him wrong. You shall treat him or treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. So he's a stranger who's journeying with you, traveling with you, and you should treat them like they're one of you. Interesting as uh, the Israelites left Egypt, Scripture is very clear to talk about the fact that it wasn't just the Jews that went, there was also a mixed multitude that went with them. Now, also in the studies, we find out it was the mixed multitude that caused some trouble at the end, okay? But the command here is to recognize that even those who are going with you, who are strangers to you, you should treat them like they are one of you. Okay? You see that there? Alright? And you shall love him as yourself. Wow. I don't even know this person. For. Bible study, that's a word you should take note of. Because the next statement is the reason for what has just been said, right? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now why is that important? It's important because Israel understood what it meant to be taken captive. They knew what it was like to be ostracized. They knew what it was like to have extra burdens on them, suffer, and to have people treat them in unkind ways. But not only that, he says, um, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In Leviticus 19, there's a whole bunch of instructions, and they all end up with, I am the Lord your God. And friends, that is code for this particular passage of Scripture, Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Twelve times that statement, I am the Lord your God, is in that passage. What God is saying is this, listen, the reason you need to listen to me, the reason you need to practice this hospitality and to welcome the stranger in is because I am the Lord your God. You were strangers once. I welcomed you in. Now these people are strangers. You welcome them in. Just like I welcomed you in, you welcomed them in. But that wasn't perfect. There's more to the story. Turn to Psalm 106, verses 6 through 8. Psalm 106, verses 6 through 8. Um, more to the story, not just the command, and not just because of what happened. There's something more important here, even that God tells us in Psalm 106. Verse 6, both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for... That word again, his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. The name of God, his glory, his reputation, is demonstrated when God's people exercise hospitality that reaches out to those that are strangers and welcome to them. Now, friends, one of the things that happens in the church. itself. And there's a need. I mean, we're commanded to be thinking about the church. A lot of the one another are talking about that. But we cannot be exclusive. We also have to be thinking outside the church. And so this is, this is good for us to think through. So get this. It is God's desire to bring glory to His name, His reputation. That is at the heart So, 
here's the essence of grace, though, that God, because of the reputation of his holy character, extends an invitation and welcomes undeserving sinners into his household. It's just amazing. It's God. It's rooted in God. Now, to, to explain it further, let's go now to the New Testament passage that we read here. Okay? We read at the beginning of, uh, of the time here, Albert read. Turn, if you would please, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. We're going to read it once more, and there is a reason why Gonzo is up there. Okay? If you grew up with Sesame Street, you understand why. Grover, thank you. I needed that clarification. Man. Got some uh, Sesame Street groupies here, right? I am one, so I knew that. I don't know why I said Gonzo. All right. But let's pick it up at verse 11, Ephesians 2, 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you, gen- you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Now, just no. these words are identifying the Ephesians as an exclusive group, all right? You Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, as opposed to those who were circumcised, all right, the Jews. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see some similarities to what we read in the Old Testament. You're a completely different group. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is an incredibly important verse of Scripture. And that's why Grover is up there. The whole near-far thing. We were once far off, but now we are near. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ uh, did for us on the cross. Verse 14 explains all this as we go on. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Jews and Gentiles coming together as one through Christ. Okay? Um, where am I at now? Uh, I lost oh, let's pick up at verse 15, all right? By abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God, again, both to God, in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. So bring it all together in this passage, right? Two exclusive groups now coming together. So, Christians were aliens, strangers. The Gentiles were being described that way. Right? Now it's the verse 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, here's the summary statement. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Friends, that is hospitality. Enemies, aliens, strangers, but God has brought you in through the cross and he has welcomed you into his kingdom to be citizens. He's welcomed you into his family to be sons or daughters. That's hospitality. So hospitality is not simply about food on the table. Food on the table is the means by which hospitality, you might want to say, is the conduit through which hospitality comes. It's far more to it than simply the niceties of food. But why did God do that? Let's go back to verse 5. We have the Bible open. Why was God hospitable to us? 
says he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, the praise of his glorious grace which was, uh, with which he blessed us. This is all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's will. Now, step back and ask a question. Do you want to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of people? So, where does this hospitality come from? Is it me conjuring up the special talents and gifts that I have so that I can make people happy when they come to my home? No. It's understanding that you are a vessel through which God works to bring about the disseminating of the gospel, helping people come from places of alienship and strangeness to come into the family of God, be citizens of the kingdom. It may also be people who are citizens part of the family, also helping them in understanding what that walk looks like and helping them grow in that area. It's all part of hospitality. So, hospitality. Now let's talk about the motivation for hospitality. The motivation for hospitality. Three things. Hospitality is motivated by our past. Okay? Right, we were aliens, we were strangers, that God came to us through His Son on the cross. He made us alive, right? He welcomed us home. That should motivate us to exercise hospitality. It's motivated by the future. We have, because we are now part of His kingdom and part of His family, the certainty of heaven. It is our hope. It is our inheritance. It gives us confidence for living here now. We know, right, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But, what that means is that God hasn't brought me home here yet. I'm here for a reason. And if I'm here for a reason, that reason includes being the kind of person who has the attitude of hospitality, fleshing it out, and it's also motivated by our present. What I mean by that is this. It is because of the gospel that I can view hospitality with joy. You may not feel like being hospitable. Anyone? Even while those people are sitting at your table or in your living room. And maybe they're overstaying their welcome, right? You know what I'm talking about. I may have been one of those people. And I'm sorry if I've been that person But you know, those are times. There's, there's some practical things that maybe we struggle with, but it's because of the gospel, it's because of what God's doing in us now that we can have joy. Because we know this person is in this room. This person is here because it's all part of God's purpose. And they are still interacting with me at this point in time. That I have the opportunity to communicate, to encourage, and to strengthen. But whatever it is that God is doing through me, through hospitality, we are incarnating Christ. We are representing Him. We are conduits through which He is working. We're not just cul-de-sacs. Alright, we just come in and boom, it's ended. We're conduits. God is working through us. We're not just saying, we're the end. It's not just saying, well, it's just about me and what I want from God. It's saying, God, I am your child and you are working through me. So, hospitality is motivated by our past future and our present, which is all the gospel. It's the gospel that is behind our hospitality. Now let's talk about hospitality of life. Um, as we look at the subject of hospitality, I want you to notice that all of the junctions, all the instructions are almost always found in the context of love. Leviticus, we look at that. Love him as yourself. Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Boom. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Practice hospitality. Right? 1 Peter 4 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Next verse, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I mean, it just flows right out. Remember the verses we're putting later, right? So, I mean, when they're writing this, it just it flows right out of what was there in the context. 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels. 
individuals unaware. Just it flows out of love. So when we think about applying hospitality, we're applying hospitality in this context um, of love. In fact, with that as a reality for us, it, it really helps us understand some other well-known passages in Scripture. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life is now, in, in the lens of what we're looking at, a statement of God being hospitable, isn't it? His love, His provision, welcome you in. John 13.34 A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, you know, surrounding and connected to that love then is this interaction and this practice of hospitality. It's something God commands us to do. He's shown us how to do it by virtue of what He has done for us and what He told the Israelites, what He told the church, what He's telling us. It, it's motivated by the gospel, and now he is saying you need to apply it to your life. So here is the next thing. Since hospitality is expressed in the context of love, then for a church to truly be loving, it must be strategically practicing hospitality. Does that make sense? It's a little different. Than what for a church to truly be loving, it must be strategically practicing hospitality. Right. Do you agree with me that this is what I've shown you here? The hospitality is commanded. Is, is God a great example of what it looks like? All right? Did he command it to the, old, to the Jews in the Old Testament? Did he command it to the church? Yes. Do you see how, how the gospel motivates us so that we can do that? Because of what God has done for us, it, it, it's a light. And I have a responsibility to do it for others. Okay. Now we're just simply applying it. All right? So, let's kind of wind things up here. In order for us to be a a loving community, there must be the presence of hospitality. I'd like for us to read Matthew, Matthew 25. I don't think it is. It is, the whole thing? Okay, good. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer that. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now when you, when you read that passage from the context of, of seeing the subject of hospitality, it gives it a little, a little different perspective. So hospitality can be fleshed out in a number of different ways. Okay? And, and what we want to do, I just want to kind of finish up here by just talking about four different ways, and then we're going to, we're going to kind of move to the discussion here. We've got plenty of time, all right? So, first of all, it's this, all right? Um, the presence of strategic hospitality, first of all, um, needs to be seen um, in our hearts. And the idea here is this. It really is an attitude thing first. Right? It's an issue of your attitude. And you know, so many times, God, you know, we change me, and look what you're saying has changed my attitude about this. Because in my flesh, it's not something that I want to do. When we change your attitudes, it helps us actually do what God is calling us to do. So think about your attitudes. This is really where it comes Are we willing, are we hungry to have an attitude of hospitality that is going to flesh out in being hospitable people? Now, let me just pause here. I'm not expecting all of us now to come the Castro Valley City Mission, okay? And we're chasing after every homeless person, every poor person, and all that kind of stuff. What we're talking about here, there may be, there may be a side to hospitality that fleshes out there. What we're talking about is being the kind of person that has an attitude 
attitude. It has an awareness. It has a has a a perspective that God wants me to be hospitable. So, what are some ways, just practically, an individual can be hospitable? Just with your attitude, just just talk. Say what? Just welcoming someone, giving someone a good handshake, and and making sure they feel welcome. Absolutely. What else? Right? Meeting someone specifically. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's an attitude that is fleshed out in the family first, right? Yeah. Good. Encouragement. You know, I think it's the attitude also that says, um, I'm not just boxing my own world. I've been alert to the needs and the struggles or just the ways that I can, um, you know, I can think of others. Um, I mean, you know, we, we often are so busy, we have our plans all laid out, right? And we just don't want anyone to interfere with those plans. And so we wrestle sometimes with those plans because we have something going on. But what would your plans look like if you exercise hospitality? They might change them. Once you start doing it. Yeah. So just emphasize yourself within yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself and to God. Change my attitude toward hospitality. Help me understand what the, what the attitude is that you want me to have on this subject. I'm not expecting everyone here to be Martha Stewart, especially you men. Okay? What I'm saying is let's be a, a community, let's be a church that says, first of all, we want to have an attitude of hospitality. That we're welcoming. That we're ready to say, hey, someone's visiting today. You want to come over with us? We're going we're gonna to have soup for lunch. Okay? Soup. Who cares? Right, let me give you an example. Alright? John Piper. What he says on the subject of hospitality. He says on Sunday. His wife makes soup out of a can, and they eat out of paper bowls. He says, because I don't want my wife to have to work too much on Sunday. And we invite people over, and they eat soup out of paper bowls, and it's okay. Why? Because the issue is not food, it's not dish, it's hospitality. There's an attitude behind it that's important, right? So, the uh, stock is going to go up now. Okay. Uh, you get the point, right? Secondly, um, it's also something that needs to take place in our homes. And I think what's important here, and Darren really touched on it, is that we need to think of our homes now as, as a platform for ministry. As a base of ministry. That might mean that, again, as we are being an organic group here, and people are coming and we're inviting people to our homes, or as we have home groups, once they're established and they're in place, we're inviting people. We want people to be welcome in our homes. We want them to, to be present, to be with us, and to be fellowshipping together, right? You understand that? Now, there's a number of other things you can say. And those in your neighborhood. You know, have, have you had some kind of a, you know, a barbecue or some kind of a social thing where you're just inviting people in your neighborhood? They're strangers, right? Isn't that, doesn't God say something about that? I don't know them. All the more reason to invite them. And I'm preaching this to myself just as much as you. Again, it's so easy to kind of go right? to the right? Like you say, hi to your neighbor, hi to the other neighbor. You know what I'm talking about? around us that are there day after day after day that we can just expand our net so to speak and just try and use our home for that. I know personally growing up my parents would have a missionary stay in the house um, and it was great for me as a child to get to know missionaries uh, or maybe just some friends that were traveling through. Um, it just, it just home being a platform for them was a great opportunity. Now I would say, just like I just mentioned, the first point here is keep it simple and swallow your pride a little bit. Maybe some of the things that you do. You know, it's not a nice place. I have been.
been in different places and I've slept in different places and I'm thankful for a bed that is somewhat comfortable so I can rest at night, if that's what it means. It really is more important that you're interacting with people. Right? In our lives. What I'm talking here about is this, just your relationships. Are you hospitable at work? Are you hospitable with people that you rub shoulders with? Um, you know, gentlemen, you open the doors for ladies to go. Are you slamming? Are you, are you hospitable to people? I mean, hey, listen, I'll open the door, and if it's a guy coming through, I'll keep the door open, let him go through, and it doesn't matter if that person goes in front of me on the light, it's okay, why? Because what's more important is the fact that I am being hospitable. I may not always be that. But you got to think in those terms. So, so are you a welcoming person? Or are you a grumpy person? Any grumpy person? Yeah, you so I'm not going to raise my hand. Do you know of any grumpy person sitting next to you? Right? He's kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. So maybe this is a call for us to say, you know what? I, I may not feel good. I may need my coffee, but I can still be pleasant. And I can still, in my relationship, seek to be hospitable. Right? And I think the, the presence of strategic hospitality must be, must be in our church. But when people are functions that we're having coming into our, our gatherings here, we want to have an attitude of hospitality. I'm not talking about donuts and coffee, okay? That's just a piece of the puzzle. I'm talking about do they feel welcome? Do they feel like they can belong here? Do they feel like people are taking an interest in them? Do they feel like, like uh, they're, they're valued in being here? Okay? Hospitality is important for the church, and really, it is something that should be part of our DNA. Because you know what? God has fleshed it out for us. He has been hospitable to us. And He's calling us then to take that mantle of hospitality and carry it out. And it isn't the gospel, but it is, it is the vehicle through which the gospel comes out. Right? Now, in the picture, if God's people would take hospitality seriously, do you think it would have a, a strategic payoff, so to speak, using modern day terms? It probably would have much more effectiveness than simply doing some kind of a big event. This is part of the DNA of who we are. We're seeking to reach out to people through our homes, through this attitude of hospitality. All right? Well, let's now kind of shift gears. Let's just go to kind of, kind of discussion. Um, and, uh, I have some questions for you. Let's talk about them. I took these questions, the same ones I emailed you. If you read them, I don't know if you did. But here's the first one. What does a person look like who is exercising the attribute of hospitality of a biblical some feedback. What does that person look like who is exercising hospitality Available. Okay. Available. Pardon? Smiling, right? Someone who is who is uh, exhibiting facial expressions that are welcoming, right? Giving. Someone who has a, a giving yet.
so too. Um, all right, do we have biblical examples of someone or a family practicing hospitality? Any other examples of that? Mary Martha? Yeah, two different examples, right? Two different attitudes of what to do when people come over. Okay? Is it for the chicken? 
No. Fellowship. What is fellowship? <laughs> right? Because often we think about fellowship, what do we think about? Food. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's welcoming people in. It's making sure they feel a part of the community. And, and not just being a formal thing. Get your place down. You know, why we're having this. But it's really just welcoming. Make yourself at home. Having it here is good. But getting into someone's home takes things another level, And there are people that will be willing to go to come into your home before they'll be willing to come and maybe even sit here. Okay. Yes.
So Lord, help us to be careful, to be mindful, to be strategic in how we are fleshing out hospitality uh, in our church, in our homes, in our own personal walk with with you and our relationships with other people. And then, Lord, would you allow our hearts to be such that we are conformed, Lord, to the image of being hospitable, Lord, that we would be like you uh, in what we do as we uh, live for your glory. And, Lord, we know that there's nothing that we can do except for your divine enablement, Lord. So we ask that we would humble ourselves before you. And, Lord, as you prompt us, as you guide us, as you lead us, Lord, help us to be willing, help us to be submissive, and Lord, help us to be honoring you. We ask this in your name.